Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Castle Rock. Today we'll be covering the first episode from Castle Rock titled Severance. I am so excited that we are covering something Stephen King related. I cannot wait. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to just jump in. Are you ready to just jump into our top five? Let's do it. This? I'm excited for this. Yes, me too. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and get started. My number five for this episode, um, season one, episode one, um, are the Easter eggs. I'm okay. just going to jump in. I have a feeling that this is probably something like this is going to be in my top five uh, for the rest of the season. Because it should almost I, be a section of this, this, uh, this series. Exactly. Yeah, maybe we'll have to think about that instead of me having um, one of my top five dedicated to it, which I'm okay with, but um, definitely a segment to talk about it. And I would love for um, all of our listeners... Um, because I'm sure I'm going to miss something, you know, between the two of us, we're not, we may not catch everything. So I'd love for the listeners to also, you know, um, give us, you know, the Easter eggs, also anything that we missed or anything that they might have picked up on. So I'm going to just start off. The first one is obviously Castle Rock itself. So I think this one's fairly obvious. If you are, a St- uh, you know, a Stephen King fan, this fictional town that is set in Maine has been the backdrop of many of King's works from Needful Things to Cujo to The Dead Zone. So I think most folks will, re- you know, clearly recognize this when it was announced um, in the title of they're like, oh, my gosh, yes, we know what Castle Rock is. So that's the first one that I have. Um, the second one is Shawshank Prison. Mm-hmm. Um, ag- again, another familiar one. And also very central to the plot of Castle Rock is Shawshank State Prison. So the series um, kicks off, uh, you know, showing the warden, um, Terry O'Quinn, um, and we know that um, Shawshank Redemption, clearly there was the movie mm-hmm. Shawshank Redemption. I think many, many people have seen that. And it's also referenced in um, It and Dolores Claiborne. Um, and then we have Alan Pangborn. Probably not saying that right. Um but we got to know his character, and he's also been in other books as well, um, such as Needful Things and The Dark Half. So there's his name, and I th- think he was, which one was he kind of big in? Hmm, I don't remember. He was the protagonist in Needful Things, which I really liked that movie. That was really great. Um, so there's him. And then I have uh, The Marriage of Figaro. So when Warden Lacey, as he's driving through town in his car after he's left his house, you'll hear that uh, famous opera from Mozart, The Marriage of Figaro, playing. And I knew as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, I think that's the one from Shawshank. And I was talking about that um, on our last podcast when we did the um, show and we were talking about our favorite works from Stephen King. And I was talking about Shawshank Redemption. I was talking about one of my favorite scenes ever. And that was when Tim Robbins, uh, Andy, Fra- Andy Dufresne was in the office and he cranks up. He's, he's got that record playing oh, and he yeah, cranks yeah. it up oh, yeah, yeah. out of defiance. Yeah, that's the same record that he was playing was Marriage of Figaro. So I thought that was really super cool. Um, and this one, I, this might be a, a bit of a struggle but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. You guys let me know, and Sean, you let me know if you agree, um, that this one could be a possible one. Um, so 1991, they show this in the beginning of the episode that that was the year that um, young Henry Deaver disappeared. And 1991, um, so the number 19 is a cosmic symbol in the Dark Tower books. And so I don't know if that 
you know, 1991, you know, being 19 and then like 19 backwards Mm -hmm. is any type of relevance at all. But I think it's just kind of interesting that they chose that specific year for this little inverse. So no, I could see it. Yeah, yeah, when I saw that, know. I had a, a very big feel of like a uh, dreamcatcher. Like it felt very <laughs> dreamcatchery to me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, like, did you- what do you think about at the very beginning uh, when the original warden was taking a ride in the car? Uh, the dog that came out. Do you think that was a Kujo <laughs> reference, or do you think that was just a dog? I don't know. I kind of struggled with that whenever I first watched it because I, I saw this dog come up and when I first saw, you know, just the head of it coming up, cresting over this hill and I was like, oh my gosh, is that going to be like a Cujo thing? And then I looked and I was like, oh, that dog is not a St. Bernard. Doesn't yeah, look anything like thinking. Cujo. So I, I don't know that it's supposed to be directly related, but I also don't, I'll admit, I don't really know what that meant. Mm-hmm. That dog coming across, uh, you know, as he's getting ready to you know, meet his end and he's, you know, sitting there and he kind of just smiles and gives like a, this like little nod. I don't know really what that significance is, if anything, but, um, I thought, well, I guess it could be, but if it is, I don't know. I thought it was a bit of a stretch. Is that one that you had or did you have, it's did a, you have any others listed? It's basically just those two kind of like the, the dream catcher kind of feel, um, mm-hmm. when they're going into Shawshank, that's kind of, there's a lot of mist. So I don't know if that's just a subtle nod to the mist. Uh, but then the dog itself too, I was kind of like, I, I mean, again, I was looking for it to be a St. Bernard and I didn't get a mm-hmm. lot of great shots at it. But from what I did see, I'm like, yeah, it seems too small. doesn't seem big enough. And it doesn't seem like it's got like ketchup all over its face. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. But still super cool. It could still, I mean, it, it possibly could. Maybe they didn't want to be obvious about it by yeah. having a St. Bernard. I mean, clearly most people have, you know, a lot of fans of the movies and books have seen, the, either read the book or seen the movie. So maybe it would have been maybe too obvious. And, and you know, I know that that's not really the route that they're wanting to go with this, this show. They want to be, they want to give like nice subtle nods because clearly this is like the Stephen King universe. Um, but, you know, I don't think they want to be so obvious about it. So Yeah, well, that's what I'm going to like. Like, I think they're going to, if they do a couple things that like casual Stephen King fans kind of catch and seem like, oh, wow, that's cool. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But I'm expecting like those deep cuts. Like, like you mentioned that uh, Mozart playing, like that's from a movie, you know, like yeah. you know, Alan Pangborn being in multiple things. Like those are deep cuts that most people won't know. And that's what mm-hmm. I'm excited. Like this is a show that you could go to like YouTube and like watch like 20 different, you know, all the Easter eggs mm-hmm. in Castle Rock and probably catch like a new one in each, each thing. Agreed. Yeah, that's why I'm really excited for, you know, other folks that are um, our listeners that are watching and can, you know, maybe throw out some others that either they know for sure or they're theorizing about. I'd love to hear them all because I'm I'm just so excited to geek out over this show. For sure. Being a fan. So that's my number five. Just some Easter eggs. What's Uh, your number five? All right. So my number five is just simply the new warden. So Mm. we open up to a very gruesome way to take one's life. (laughs) It is a Lincoln guillotine, if you will. Yeah. Um, Like when I saw him doing that, I was like, oh, that's like, I mean, that's going to be pretty quick. And then as he drives off the cliff, you know, I'm like, oh, well, wait. Oh, yeah. I bet his head's gone. Yeah. That is, I mean, that's a, a surefire way to make sure that whatever you're doing is going to happen. I know. And, and I was so confused at first. I, I kind of blinked or something. I don't know if I was like scratching my nose, cl- had my eyes closed for just a second or two during that scene. And I got really confused and when it showed the rope tied around the tree and how it was like kind of bundled um, next to the car. I thought it was tied to the car. I gotcha. And I was like, why 
is if if you're gonna drive off a cliff, why would you want to? <laughs> yeah, why do you want to tear your bumper off? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so I'm like, what's happening? And then he, because he doesn't, you don't see the noose right away. He's sitting in his car, you know, and he's like contemplating what he's gonna do. And then you see the noose, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my god, that's what's that's what that's gonna happen. That's yeah. he's gonna do it. And um, so I was, con- I'll admit, I was totally confused there for a minute and did not know what was happening. So. But um, and then I was devastated. Oh yeah, my gosh. I thought he was going to be. A, I mean, it seems like there might be a lot of flashbacks with him. But I thought uh, Terry O'Quinn was going to be a pretty big part of this. At least that's the yes. just I got from the previews. Uh, me too, and and I think it's probably going to be previews. I don't think that you know um, he may not have a large role. It seems like we've got a pretty good cast kind of spread throughout. There's going to be a multiple cast that's going to have a lots of equal time. I think a lot of the story is going to be centralized about on Henry Deaver, but you know, it seems like there's a pretty good cast um, so far. And I was shocked that, that we lost him so fast mm-hmm. in the series, but I think he's, I think you're right. I think he's going to pop up in some flashbacks. But in some capacity. I'm really interested with this new warden. Cause I, you know, we find out that, you know, They've lost, like, I think the last four Shawshank wardens while in mm-hmm. office. Um, at least two of them sounds like they took their own life because as they're walking in, he's like, oh, and you can see the bullet hole right there from where the – and she's like, eh, you know, I don't need to know that. Yep, and they were talking about Warden Norton who is from the movie Shawshank mm-hmm. Redemption. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but what's interesting about all this too is this new warden you kind of find uh, as they make a discovery in, in the uh, Shawshank uh, cells – they're very much uh, okay with covering things up because you learn in here. I don't know if you learned this from the original movie. You might have, and I might have missed it. This is a private business. This is a private prison. Mm-hmm. It is a like I, I think um, I think it's just called private prison, private sector prison. You know, it's not right. state funded. It's like you know, for profit now it, or something. A, yeah, yeah, it's a for profit prison, which I have all kinds of objections to when it comes to things like that. Uh, because uh-huh. when you hear her walking in, they're talking about, oh, if you can increase enrollment by 20%, you're going to get an X number, like a six figure bonus or a, you know, one point some million dollar bonus. Yeah. And to me, that's just super, super, uh, like scary and dark to think like, okay, well these people really don't care about rehabilitation. They just care about the bottom line. Exactly. And that's where you find out that this, there's this whole cell block that is unoccupied and, you know, Instantly, this new warden see do- sees dollar signs. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. And as we learn with the discovery down there, there's another discussion I think that's very telling with the warden is they talk about like, oh, well, we could take this kid and just drop him off outside of the county lines. And mm-hmm. she's like, well, if that comes back on me, that's bad. It's like, well, what happens if we give somebody that wants to rack up some murders and we give them a new roommate? I you know? know. And these Crooked. Things, yeah. <laughs> and these things are just being discussed like right in the open. There's you know a couple of the... And I think they said they only make like nine bucks an hour, the security there. So like the security mm-hmm. doesn't get paid anything. So they're discussing these very criminal things in front of these, you know, security guards. And you just instantly get a very creepy, uncomfortable feeling for Shawshank prison. Yeah. Uh, if if it didn't leave you with enough uncomfortable feelings just from watching the movie, um, this will definitely do it. Is it mentioned in the movie that it's a, a for-profit prison? I think that from what I understood um, in the in the TV show here that this was a new development because that's why uh, Terry O'Quinn, Warden Lacey, was going out the door and that she was coming in. I think that you know, even though he's committed suicide, I think he was like being not fired, but maybe um, in 
uh, like maybe forcibly retired because they mentioned those two guards that found, um, and well, he doesn't have a name, so he's the unknown prisoner is how I'm referring to him now. But they were mentioning that he was getting a severance package, plus he had his pension. So if he's mm. getting a severance package, that means they're like, you know, dude, we're going to let you go and we're going to bring in new new management, so to speak. Yeah. So I think he was um, out the door anyway. So I think this was a, a new development because then his wife, Warden Lacey's wife, mentioned in the beginning, she's like, you should have let them or you should have allowed this buyout years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. Well, that, that's one of those things. Seems like he probably knows something he shouldn't, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is kind of like hush money. Um, but it's interesting to see, like, this is a very a corporate type of prison because the warden, when they're having this discussion, the first thing is like, "Well, do we need to bring this to the board?" Mm-hmm. And that, I think that was before I realized it was a for profit. My ears perked up. I'm like, "There's that seems kind of odd for there to be a board for a prison." Yeah. And uh, you know, she kind of mentions like, "Well, you don't get on the board by bringing problems to the board." And so very much she is looking to climb that corporate ladder in a basically a place where there's supposed to be more rehabilitation but it's again it's a business for of prison. Yeah, and that's just something I don't know that I understand. I I will not claim to to have a lot of knowledge in the um you know the system of of prisons and the how they're run, you know, they're bought out by corporations or these management companies and they're for profit. I think mm-hmm. that there's some, I won't say a whole lot cause I don't want to spoil anyone in case someone hasn't watched, but there's some discussion on that on the Netflix show, the oranges, um, oranges, the new black. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, I've, I've tried to, that was like my first introduction to even knowing that there are these big corporations that buy out prisons and, and run them like as a corporation yeah. and for profit. And I'm like, I uh, will honestly say, I didn't even know that could happen. That shows you how much I read the news folks. Um, it, well, it's depressing. It's but. probably been like five or 10 years, but um, I kind of got introduced to that concept. Cause again, when I first heard it, I'm like, wait, what? Like it's how, how's mm-hmm. that legal? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but there's a documentary out there somewhere. I think it's I don't remember it exactly, but it's kind of like the the price of prison or something like that. Oh, and essentially, okay. what it is, it's even worse than this. So there was a a place in I think the Carolinas somewhere. Um, don't quote me on that, but essentially, all these judges were bought into these um, juvenile detention centers. Mm-hmm. So they were basically like earning money off that. So these were the same judges that would send kids to these juvenile detentions. So they were sending oh. all these kids for very, very petty things to their juvenile detention centers because they got money from it. So they're oh. basically like funding themselves. And it's just like you're ruining wow. these kids' life for, you know, a buck. And that, again, it's a conflict like, of interest. Oh, I, like, I just don't understand how, like, how that can be illegal and how people be okay with it. But I'm guessing it's probably a smaller area and it's probably older times. Right. Like I'm sure there's, I know there's a lot of push for getting rid of this, um, like kind of privatization of prisons. Um, but wow. I mean, you kind of see a very ugly side of that with this warden. Um, and I'm very intrigued by her character. I don't think they really give her a name. Did they it's just warden is all you really know? Mm, you know, I don't know. I didn't, if they did, I did not pay attention to okay. that, but I, I, I I can tell you the actress whose name is Anne Cusack is mm-hmm. the brother or sorry, sister of John Cusack and the sister of Aunt, or Joan Cusack. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I got IMD pulled up cause I, I'm terrible with names. It just says warden and I don't recall seeing her name, but mm. definitely intrigued to see how she's going to play all this off because we see she's very quick to, to try and keep this under wraps for sure. That's for sure. She's got a big job ahead of her. She yeah, stepped she into quite a mess. So um, that's my number five is just our new warden. 
I like it. I like it. I think she's interesting as well. And I don't know uh, her type of character in a Stephen King novel. I don't think she's going to have a very good time in this in this series. Just the way I know some of these how these characters end up in these um, dramatizations. So my number four is we've talked a little bit about him already. Is Warden Lacey. So we meet him, and I was so excited to know that Terry O'Quinn was in the series. I love him so much. He is uh, my John Locke from Lost. I mean, he was between him and Jack, and I know people are probably going to be like, oh, my God, what? Um, But, yes, Jack and John Locke were my favorite characters in Lost, and I loved him so much in that in that um, series. And then, you know, and I've been a fan of Terry O'Quinn's for a long time. I was a fan of his even before Lost, and then, of course, I went bananas um, while he was in that show as well, and then other things that he's been in since then. So I was um, uber excited to see him in this series because I'm a big fan. Super bummed that within, like, the first 10 minutes (laughs) he commits suicide. Um, But I do think we'll probably see him in some flashbacks, as we did at the end of the episode. We saw him in a flashback. So I'm hoping we get a little bit more of him. That'll help me. But I was really – I was shocked. I mean, they really – put out this scene that we've already talked about where he plunges off of this cliff and basically decapitates himself. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked because I, I felt the scene itself was shocking. You know, as I mentioned, I'm sitting here watching, you know, you see his car parked in front of this cliff. Um, he's got this rope tied. And as I said, I was confused as to, I was like, if you're going to plunge off a cliff, why would you have it tied to your car? Um <laughs> That's not and how then you it, bungee jump, Warden. I was like, I don't know what's happening here. Why would you do that? And then it, it became clear. I know I'm a little thick, people. I'm a little bit slow on the uptake sometimes. I admit that. Um, and then I saw the noose, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I don't think I've ever seen that before where someone – I mean, usually you just plunge off a cliff. But I guess if you want to make sure that you are dead and dead is dead, yeah. um, then that's definitely a way to go. And – you know, again, I think it's it's worth questioning that they like they did in the series or in this episode is, you know, what we learn later is he was going to have a nice severance uh, package from from this, uh, you know, this prison and he was getting a really nice pension. So why did he kill himself? Why did he leave behind his wife who's blind? Mm. Um, and I mean, I think it clearly probably has something to do with the unknown prisoner. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, we get you that know, pretty clearly at the the end that he was the one with the bucket of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Yep, and he's talking to him and clearly tells him to, you know, hey, when you're found, tell him to, to you know, find uh, Henry Deaver. So, you know, clearly he knows something. He It's got something to do with that. Um, but I just thought that that was just interesting. I thought it was shocking. I thought it was sad. I was sad to see him go because I really thought he was going to have a bigger part um, so that's, that's my number four is Warden Lacey and that mystery and what he's involved in. Cause clearly whatever he's tied into has to do with Henry Deaver because he's doing this act yeah. at the place where Henry Deaver was found. And then this, he's, he's hiding this prisoner, whoever this person is, we don't even, I, I'm calling him a prisoner. He may not even be a prisoner, but, or like technically like a, he doesn't seem to be like a Shawshank prisoner, but he mm. is being kept prisoner, um, in this, in this, um, tank that he's found in, um, so I think all of these things are wrapped together and, and somehow, you know, this, this is what's going to make the story unfold as the series continues. So that's my number four, Warden Lacey. Yeah, I think it's good number four. Like, I think like you're saying, it seems odd that he would take that approach. Um, and it was a very, very gruesome, gritty kind of 
suicide, essentially. Because, I mean, you yes. could have had him just in the car and shot himself. And that's always, I think, a very emotional, uneasy type of thing. Like, you know, you see the – it's very typical. Like, you see the camera pan out. They're in the car. Mm-hmm. You see the flashbang. And, you know, you know, like, oh, they shot themselves. But this was one, like, it's – you know, doing that, I think, takes a little bit less effort. But what he did is very, like, you you have a lot of time to think about what's going to happen. I mean, yeah. I know it's only like probably 10 or 15 Oof. seconds, but as you hit down on that gas and you go, I mean, it takes a lot not to hit that brake. I think, I think instinct kicks in and he doesn't, and he just Lincoln guillotines it off the it. bridge or off the cliff. That was awful. And they said they couldn't find his head. I remember so, hearing that too. Yeah. So where is I, that thing? Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I feel like that's probably going to come. I, I don't know if, if, if his actual head will come up somewhere else in the series. But um, I feel like that's going to play a part mm-hmm. because they, they made a point to to kind of announce that. So I'm curious um, what that will mean moving well, forward. This ties a little bit into my number four, and it's uh, it's Alan Pangborn. Um, Scott Glenn, pr- really good actor, kind of dig yes, him. love him. Um, but what I thought is interesting is, so you find out that this is the guy that found Henry when he was gone for 11 days. Mm-hmm. So he takes him back to his family. We learn that um, Henry's adopted. Um, so it's just very touched, very lightly touched on, but it's just kind of an interesting kind of, you know, it's very much pointed out like, okay, what does this have to do with the story? Mm-hmm. But Alan knows the family. He's really close to him. Apparently he gets a lot closer to him in his later years uh, with the Mrs. Uh, uh, Deaver. Um, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but we find out that he knew uh, the warden, Lacey, that killed himself. He knew about um, the kid in the cage somehow, too, it seemed like. Um, so I'm trying to figure out, like, it feels like he's got some insight on this. Like, he's the kind of guy that knows too much, but they leave him alone because he doesn't make any trouble. Mm-hmm. So I'm really curious where this Pangborn character is going to come in because they were talking about, like, he's a just an old-style cop. And then the security guys are kind of like a whole different breed. Like that's just a different style, but kind of this of the same coin. Right. Um, he, you know, we find out too that the castle, uh, it's Castle Bluff that Warden Lacey went off of. And that's around where Henry uh, was found by Alan Pangborn. So I'm really curious about this Alan Pangborn character because it's, it very much seems like he's tied to the, the Deavers. You know, like I said, he's wearing uh, Henry's dad's clothing um, he's pretty blatant in that he's like, because he's basically asking him something along like, it's like, well, do you sleep here? And he's like, well, your mother and I enjoy each other's company. Yes, and, that's uh, a polite way of saying yeah, what's really happening. Like, I'm, I'm plowing your your mom. <laughs> um, which I mean, is like, you know, you're like, oh, you're a dick. But then it's like, my mom has Alzheimer's, you know? Like, yeah, have some self respect. It's like, in one way, it's it seems nice that someone is somewhat keeping an eye on her because she ne- it looks like she's nearly burning the house down. You know, she's got that a cast iron skillet on the stove yeah. that, you know, is, is you know, about to catch. I don't know if cast iron can catch on fire. I've uh, last time I tried to burn the house down, um, it was with a different type of skillet. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, at least it's nice that someone's kind of keeping an eye on her because clearly she is suffering from some so, uh, form of dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and has fired her or gotten rid of in some capacity, her like home health care nurse that was keeping an eye on her. So, yeah, I don't know, you know, if he's, he seemed like a really good guy. We meet him and like you said in the beginning, he's a lot younger when Henry Deaver was little and missing. And he, and I found it interesting. He introduces himself 
um, you know, as the sheriff. And he goes, I'm a friend of your mother's. Yeah. Well, and that's what threw me off, too, because I was like, oh, because they, they saw a picture when Henry got back where his father had passed away. Or at least you kind of. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see the year. So I was like, oh, well, maybe his dad's been dead for a long time. But yeah, like you find out when he's discovered or found, Henry is like he's like, oh yeah, I know your mom. Your dad's a jerk, but you know, so maybe <laughs> maybe this companionship's been going on for a lot longer than we know. I was gonna say, you know, what kind of friend was he back in the day? You know, um, and he's the one, you know, that that goes and you know when he Henry comes home and he's taking him home and uh, the mom comes out. Um, clearly, a different actress than Sissy Spacek. She's a lot younger there, but. You know, I I thought that was interesting. I thought, well, what kind of a friend? And then now you're even a spe- an, another kind of special friend. You know, that's kind of basically moved into the house yeah. or at least stays there frequently. So I don't know. And yeah, like you said, he knows. He seems to know some things, and he's very suspicious of Henry because he kind of eyeballs him when he's like, you know, oh, well, you, you, do you know where he did it? Castle Castle Lake. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, where we found you. And, you know, and, and it's it's like he almost doesn't believe Henry, which it seems like most of the, the people in town really don't believe his story because, you know, he seems to have like he doesn't remember what happened and, you know, doesn't know what happened to his dad and people blame him for his dad's death. So, you know, it maybe, you know, Alan Pangborn's not believing him much either because he just kind of looks at him like, you know, hmm. So... Yeah, and the only other thing I'll tell you, so it kind of goes back to the 1991. I'm trying to figure out why Pangborn was out in the woods because it didn't look like he was wearing much of a sheriff outfit because I thought, well, he kind of looks like a cop, but it didn't seem Mm -hmm. like he had that kind of get up on. He loads his pistol. So when he found the deer, I was kind of like, well, maybe is he hunting? Like, because you can hunt with revolvers. Like, that's a thing. And while he was sitting there drinking his coffee, it almost seemed like maybe he was going out there for some ulterior motive for himself. Like mm-hmm. maybe he was going out there pondering his life and was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to do a Warden Lacey, you know, 17 years before Warden Lacey did. And the one thing I thought was super creepy, and I don't know if you've ever been out in the woods, like mm-hmm. um, during dusk or dawn or like, you know, cause I hunt a little bit. So I get out there really early. So you start seeing the sun come up. And when you get that wind and you can hear it coming through the trees from far away, oh. that's one of the eeriest things <laughs> ever. Because you can hear it and from far away you can kind of start seeing the trees move. And it's almost like a mist or a creature or something like coming towards you. And like you're just waiting for that opening where the woods are for something to come plowing through and it's just the wind. Um, it's nope. one of the creepiest things ever. And you kind of got that here where he's sitting there drinking his coffee on the other side of the lake where that wind just started coming his direction. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't do the woods very well. Uh, I'll admit that. I, I think the woods are beautiful, and it probably depends on the type of woods that you're in. But like in our area, um, which you kind of share that same same kind of um, you know environment that I do, as far as the types of trees and, mm-hmm. and things like that, um, in the in the woodsy areas, um, I don't know. I don't do well, and and I never really have. It's always kind of creeped me out. And then I watched a little movie called Blair Witch Project, ah, yeah, and yeah. that pretty much did me in forever, on top of every other <laughs> scary movie that I've ever seen that is set in the woods. But once Blair Witch came around, no. No, thank you. I always heard noises out there yeah. that freaked me out. That was one effed up noise, too. That reminded me of something out of Lost. Yeah, I think no, there was yeah, yeah. a couple of little, little Lost references in here, too, if you kind of, you know, if, it might be a little bit of a stretch, a couple of them, but you can kind of see it if you're just casually watching a little bit yeah. and you've seen Lost. Like but it kind of reminded homages. me of that. 
you know, when you would watch Lost and you'd hear those noises, I'll try not to spoil anything for anyone, but you'd hear those noises. And I was like, Ooh, it sounds like from Lost and uh, no thanks. Um, so yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And, uh, I try to avoid it if possible. Can, can y'all tell I'm scared of a lot of things? I don't know. I talk about being very fearful. There's a lot of things I tend to avoid <laughs> placing myself in certain situations. But, but yeah, it's my number four is just another interesting character. It's this Alan Pangborn. I like it. I like his character and I love Scott Glenn. I've been a huge Scott Glenn fan probably since I was little. Um, I've had a big crush on Scott Glenn for a long time. I like him. Good number four. So that he kind of ties into a little bit in my number three. It's kind of short and sweet, but just the characters so far, there's probably going to be more mm, that we're yeah. introduced to, but who we've been introduced to, introduced to so far that I'm really enjoying. So we've gotten Warden Lacey, Henry Deaver, this unknown prisoner played by Bill Skarsgård. I'm sure we'll talk uh, more about him. Molly Strand, Alan Pangborn, and Ruth Deaver. I really have so far enjoyed our introduction to these characters. The part that they play in the story, their individual roles, they all kind of had their own um, eccentricities. Uh, they have their own characteristics. I think they're all very well defined as far as their characters. We don't know a whole lot about them yet and their motivations, so I'm sure we'll we'll learn more, but I really like them so far. Also, they're really great actors. I mean, we've, we've talked already about Terry, or Terry O'Quinn, I'm not as familiar with the actor playing Henry Deaver. He looks familiar, but I really like him so far. I love Bill Skarsgård. I'm not yeah. as familiar with his whole body of work, but we do know him as the new Pennywise in the new version of It. I thought he knocked that shit yes, out of the park um, in that first one, I and want, I'm really looking forward uh, to the yeah, second one. Needed, they needed to have a lot more of him as uh, yeah. Pennywise, for sure. Absolutely. So I'm hoping we'll get, a, you know, I think he... I think we'll probably be seeing more of him. I don't know how big of a role, because like I said, I think this is more, without reading any spoilers, I've tried to, you know, not read anything that I shouldn't. Um, but I, from what I, my understanding is, is the story is mainly going to focus around Henry Deaver and then, you know, all of these other folks um, as well play a part. But I really love Bill Skarsgård. Um, I, I think he's just brilliant. You know, he lost like 30 pounds for this role. Oh, right? really? He looked, yeah. I mean, his uh, arms looked, Fairly muscular. His arms looked good. The dude is ripped. That's for sure. And he still seemed to have some musculature and some good muscle definition. But man, he I heard he lost hmm. like 30-something pounds. I thought, this dude is not a big dude. I mean, he's a pretty average size kind of guy who's kind of lean already. And I'm like, dude, how did you lose 30 pounds? Yeah. That doesn't seem healthy. But anyway. Well, guards. I mean, you look at his brother. His brother in uh, True Blood was freaking ripped. Oh, Jesus. Do not get me started <laughs> on him. Like, screw oh, the my Hemsworth. God. Give me a Scars Guard. You know, those Scars Guard brothers are killing it because you had, um, uh, yeah, he was in True Blood, Eric Northman, uh, just beautiful, beautiful man. And, you know, then you've got Bill Scars Guard. He's absolutely adorable. And then, did you know, did you watch Westworld, uh, the second season? Yeah, I'm about halfway through. So Gustav, their other brother, is he plays um oh what's his name? Something Strand. Okay. His last name's huh. Strand. And that he's like sent he's the guy that uh the corporation sends. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to say anymore because some folks might not have seen Westworld yet. But anyway, he's one of the big corporation guys um in Westworld. His name's Gustav Skarsgard. So those Skarsgård guys are everywhere. So anyway, really enjoying Bill Skarsgård and his work uh, so far. I've, I've 
been a, f- a fan of his um, since the new it. Molly Strand, I think she's very interesting. So I look forward to seeing more of her. And then, of course, we said Alan Pingborn, Ruth Deeper. So I think that they all bring this richness and this depth because they're all really great actors. Uh, Molly Strand, um, oh gosh, I can't think of her name, the actress's name. I had it on the tip of my tongue. She's really great. I've seen her in other things. And she was in uh, the Stephen King miniseries, Rose Red. Oh, okay. That was really good. Um, so she played a, a part in that. And then, of course, Ruth Deaver played by Sissy Spacek. I mean, holy hell, if you don't love some Sissy Spacek, the original Carrie folks, mm. um, then I don't know what to do with you um, or how to how to save you. So anyway, that's that's what I'm loving so far about how we've been introduced to these characters, how I think the characters are really great. I look forward to learning more about them. And of course, the actors who are putting life into those characters. I think that's so important. You've got to have a really great you know, um, actor to put some life in these, these characters. And it really brings a richness that I'm loving. For sure. Yeah. And I just looked my, all of mine are really actual individual characters. My numbers, I just realized that, but, um, so my number three, cause it's very intriguing. Like you're getting just little pieces of everybody. Mm -hmm. And my number three is, I don't remember if they said her name. I think her name's Mary, but it's the woman that you just basically get right from the beginning and they just call her MILF. MILF. Um, you know, it's this chick, she rolls up, She's talking to the high school kid. She's buying some drugs. Um, obviously, she doesn't have the money to buy all the drugs because Obamacare is not around anymore. He got a, uh, I can't remember what he said. Um, but No copays. Yeah, no copays. <laughs> so 40 bucks gets you this. And she drops a little sweet line to him. It's like, well, you have to have kids to be a MILF. And so the kid's like, whatever, man. Whatever, lady. Old lady. Go back to your... Whatever you do, knitting. Yep. She's like, I don't really care. <laughs> um, and like that was kind of an intriguing thing. We figure out that she sees Henry, so she knows Henry somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking like high school or a school or something like that. But we get a very, very interesting scene with her. And we see her walking down to her basement and she has a box. And this is kind of what I'm going to enjoy a lot of with this, but I hope. I had some problems with Lost towards the end of the the, the series, mm-hmm. and I hope that this is going to be better than that. Like, you're not going to get these little things where you're like, okay, well, what does that mean? And it not lead anywhere. So the MILF, I'm going to call Mary because I think it's Mary. Mary goes yep. down to her basement, takes out a box. She takes out one of those old uh, sand timers and flips it. So it's like 60 seconds or a minute and a half, whatever those are typically. And, you know, at first you're like, well, I mean, you pick up one of those and sit it down. It just starts, you know, it's just however it landed and starts. So it could just be random, but, you know, they focused on it. So probably not. Mm-hmm. And you see her looking at a missing poster of Henry. It's like, okay, well, that's kind of weird that she has this and she's looking at it. We see the grains again that the time's running out. And then she pulls out a shirt of what I'm guessing is his from when he was a kid. Yeah. And she's very focused on this thing. And she hurries up and gets everything in right as the sand's finishing up. So I'm trying to figure out, like, is she only allowing herself this amount of time to look at this stuff? Or is she only allowed by something else to look at this stuff for that long? Yeah. Those, yeah, those are really good questions. And that's in my notes is, so she, why is she setting the timer? What's it for? And what is her connection to Henry? And what is her condition that requires her to take drugs? Yeah. Well, that's what, so Stephen King's stories and stuff are always really intriguing because you watch it knowing it's Stephen King and you're always like, okay, well, is this just, what are the rules of this universe? 
Yes. Is it just a universe that is my universe that I live in right now where my rules apply or is it a supernatural universe where other rules apply? Yeah. And that's what you're watching here. So you're trying to figure out like, okay, wait a minute. Is is something supernatural allowing her to do this? Is she tied to Henry somehow supernatural or is she just, you know, not all there and there's something wrong with her? Like, is she, is she somebody who's escaped like an asylum type of thing? Um, yeah. So again, it's very short. You only get a little bit of it. And what's interesting is you're getting a lot of these characters. When I saw her the first time, I kind of logged it away. I was like, oh, well, that's kind of odd. And then like half an hour later, 30 minutes later, you see her again. You're like, oh, I kind of forgot about this lady. Like, what the heck's going on here? Mm-hmm. But it definitely left an imprint on me when they, we followed back up with her. So um, Mary's somebody that I'm going to keep a very close eye on because I feel like she's going to have a big part to play in this season. I think so because I think she does – you know, like I said, that's one of my questions is what is her connection to Henry? She had quite um, a reaction to him when she yeah. saw him getting off of the bus. That was quite a visceral reaction that she had to seeing him and did not look interested in him seeing or recognizing her. She tried to like, you know, skulk down into the seat a little bit. She immediately made sure that she turned the other way um, in the opposite direction of the bus and where he was. So one, she uh, had a reaction at seeing him. She didn't want him to see her. Um, what is her condition? I theorize, and I'm just completely because just from reading so many Stephen King books or seeing movies, I'm wondering if she has some sort of, um, psychic power Mm. where she can maybe see things or hear things, or she just knows things and she suppresses that by taking drugs. Maybe I could see it. Um, I don't know. That's just something it's totally off. I could be completely off base and I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with that. Um, and if y'all think I'm completely nuts, I'm okay with that too. Um, That's what I'm expecting. Like, I feel like somehow those 11 days, that's going to be a big part. And I feel like maybe Mary and Henry were together for those because Henry doesn't remember what happened. But Mary, you know, maybe those two were running away together somehow and trying to, you know, basically fight some type of evil. Mm -hmm. Um, You you don't know. Tons of different ways. Because didn't they say that? You know, and I've watched this twice, but there was so much to, to, to gather while because they're showing you things, but they're also narrating at the same time. Was that? Uh, they said Henry pulled some type of stunt like with the state police and then he disappeared yeah, and yeah. they thought he ran away um, or they thought maybe someone took him. So I'm like, okay, so what was this stunt? What what happened, you and know, I'm not sure, and was she was, involved? That was when the warden and them were researching this guy because that's what uh, the, the mm-hmm. prisoner was asking for. Right. So I don't know if, if they thought this 11-day thing was a stunt and that's what they were saying or if there maybe. was another thing and then this happened. They're like, oh, he's a prankster kind of thing. Maybe, maybe that's where I was missing that connection, but, um, but clearly she's got some sort of connection. It has something to do with him being missing because she's pulling up this missing poster and this jacket that appears to be a young boy's jacket. Mm -hmm. So I agree. I'm going to be watching her as well. I think she's a really fantastic actress and seen her in lots of things. And, um, I think she's going to be a uh, play a big part. Cause like I said, I think a lot of this story focuses or centralized, at least you've always got this one central character. I think it's about all the characters, um, just like this town is like a character of itself. That's one thing I didn't mention is I feel like the town of Castle Rock, like the, the fictional town is also its own character. I think it kind of lives and breathes um, on its own as well. So I think the town is also a character, but I think it's going to be mainly centralized around Henry Deaver. She clearly has a connection and I, I I'm interested to see where that goes, how that plays out. 
Yeah, my number three is just Mary and kind of what her story is, I guess. Looking forward to it. Okay, so my number two, um, like you, kind of focused on some of the characters and getting a little bit more detail is Henry Deaver. So we find out he did disappear in 1991. Don't know if that means anything or not. Thought it was interesting that his dad was found frozen with a broken back and dead Mm. after three days. So was his dad out looking for him and and what killed him yeah, i good wonder question there i kind of got the gist i got is that he was still alive when he came back but his mom was the only one that came out to see him right yeah i i think his dad was dead by the time he was found because his, he tells him or alan pingborn he's like what happened to your dad you know he was found frozen so he was clearly out and exposed to the elements because we find out it is like 11 below and I don't even want to imagine what that's like. No thanks people. I don't do well in the cold. Um, He was found frozen with a broken back and he was dead after three days. Um, And he tells Henry, he said, you were gone for 11. And he's like, you have no frostbite. Were you inside somewhere? Ooh, and the and, creepy thing about that is in his hand. So this is my number one. Mm-hmm. But in Henry's Let's talk hand, about it. it has, I think it was it was some kind of like humanoid looking thing. Yeah. But I don't know if it was a toy or if it was just snow, like carved snow. It looked a little bit more like a figurine, like it yeah. was carved. So I could be wrong, but it, you know, it looked like a little white figurine that, yeah, that's what he was holding in his hand after he was found and i thought that it was interesting that when he is sharing when henry is sharing that dinner with his client who's getting ready to to meet her end on death row he she shares with him her first memory so she's like well what about you what was your first memory and he tells her it was that song that he heard Mm -hmm. uh, when alan pingborn found him and it's like well that's interesting that you know, so that makes me question, does he have some sort of amnesia to everything that happened prior to his disappearance? Does he even remember anything that happened up to that point? Or I'm sorry, after that point when he's found again, as he acts like he doesn't remember being gone for 11 days and he's saying that that's his first memory. So it's like he doesn't remember anything prior to his disappearance. He doesn't remember anything that happened during those 11 days. And his first memory is when he was found. So that was weird. Just a thought. So I wonder if this is going to be an interesting parallel because the the prisoner that they found doesn't seem to know anything about himself. Yeah. So it's kind of like a parallel, even though he's a little bit older. I wonder if that's going to mm. tie together any, in any way. You know what? In the Stephen King, you were just talking about the rules, what rules apply yeah. in this universe. And I'm looking at it going, okay, so we've got the creepy factor. Mm-hmm. I think this, you know, this is very creepy and suspenseful that you have in a lot of your Stephen King worlds and books and movies and universe and then you've i feel like we've got a little bit of some supernatural or paranormal um maybe activity happening here because if you notice we talked about alan pingborn when he is sitting outside those woods and i agree with you i don't think he looked very much like a, a sheriff i didn't take him for uh, you know a sheriff straight off when we saw him until he said so later um so he's sitting on the edge of the woods and we were talking about that noise that you hear uh, like across that lake there and uh, which was totally creepy as hell scared the hell out of me as i'm watching it um and then all of a sudden and you can see you can see the lake you can see the woods and then you know you turn away and all of a sudden boom there's henry standing yeah. in the middle of the lake so clearly he just kind of sprang out of nowhere so was this some sort of was he in 
some other dimension? Was, you know, where was he? Was he lost somewhere and someone just poof, delivered him out there? So that leads me to believe there's some sort of like, you know, other dimension or paranormal or some type of strange activity. It reminds me so much of Lost. It just really does. It's got it's that gist, weird. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my number two is Henry Deaver, just going into a little bit more. I'm just curious where the rest of this is going to go, and I'm looking forward to unpeeling uh, this story more and more. Yeah, and this was actually my number one. I think you touched on most of everything I have. The only thing I kind of thought was interesting is when he first goes to see his mother, Mm-hmm. And they hit really hard that she has dementia because he shows up and she's like, "Oh, well, did you bring your chainsaw to you know cut some of the brush or whatever?" Yeah, she's and not even surprised to no, see him. It's like I don't even know this. And she's like, "Oh, well, don't worry. You know, we all were immigrants once." <laughs> and he's like, "Mom," it's, and she's like, "No, don't worry. You know, I, I, it's, I'm not like that. You know, I actually adopted a black kid." And he's <laughs> like, "Mom, it's, it's me," which you know, a whole like you know you think of like the sad and real scary types of things in life. Like that's real. Like, could you imagine, you know, Mm. being adopted by a family that's not of your ethnicity and that, that could happen, you know, I mean, it's bad enough when they don't recognize you, but you know, what if they even more so don't recognize you? Mm -hmm. Um, That's whole scary, scary part of life that, you know, sometimes I think I'd take monsters over that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. That it's interesting how they, bring these two differences together you've got this scary element paranormal stuff you don't know what's quite happening it's 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 weird it's mysterious but then you've got like the real life scary stuff when people do have dementia that is a horrible uh, you know alzheimer's and and dementia are so damn horrible uh, for for families that have to deal with it and um you know i've experienced it a little bit myself and it's just really sad and i yeah i agree with you i think i'd probably rather take some of that scary paranormal normal stuff over that real life, um, horrible diseases that affect people. Uh, let's see. So I'll jump into my number two. So my yeah. number two is the Shawshank prisoner. Um, yes. so we find, you know, the one thing that's interesting is so they find out that there's, em- there's empty what wing of the prison that they send two guards to investigate. And one dude's like, all right, I'm gonna lay here on this couch and take a nap. Like You're a jerk. Well, one, like what, what like prison, abandoned area that nobody knew, knows about. Like I'm not, I'm not closing my eyes anywhere because I'm uh-uh. just waiting for that cell door to slam and you know, all the dead prisoners to come out and like try to eat my brains. Like that's just where my mind goes. Exactly. Uh, but you know, he's investigating, he figures out that somebody's there and he goes down into this hole and that like he, it, the thing he did is exactly what I would do. Like I know it's like fight or flight. I know I'm flight. I've experienced a situation where you come around a corner and there's something there you're not expecting. I took off running, screaming. And if you're in a place where you thought's abandoned, because you had to cut open the locks for one, and all of a sudden you look up and you see some beady eyes looking back at you and like it's an actual person, yeah, I'm gone. I, I I will also admit I am not the super brave type. I am easily spooked uh, thanks to the uh, many years of horror films and movies mm. um, and books behind me. I agree. Um, and hey, they went into a hatch. Another lost reference there. there just go, yeah. j- just saying they went into a hatch um, that Terry O'Quinn went into. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I that was. I I 
am, am just curious, these two that got recruited, these specific two, not you'd think that there would be a bigger group of folks that would be going to check that out. I don't know. I thought that was just a little interesting why there was only those two. Um, and then, yeah, he discovers this little prison in the prison. It's yeah. like a cell within the prison. And curious how that got built, because if this was in some type like that took some I would think yeah, that would take it, some work. How do you do that? Piece. Um, yeah. And we saw the bucket of cigarettes. So, you know, that uh, Warden Lacey had been going there for a while. So this kid had to been there for a bit. He, uh, he didn't seem to really understand modern things very well, like the shower he didn't really understand. So either A, right. he's never really seen one, or B, he's been locked down there a really long time. There was now I'm inter- mad at myself. I should have done the math. Would they say 87? Nobody's been down there since the fire in, was it 87? Oh, said? something like that, 87 or 89, somewhere in there, yeah. So like 87, 89, somewhere in the like mid-late 80s, Henry but, disappeared mean, in 91. If that kid was in his 30s, like I would expect him to be, he would have been born about 86. So yeah. he, if he got down there, like even in the mid-90s, he'd been like six or seven years old, which would explain some of the stuff if he's been down there that long. Yeah, I'm just trying to connect him somehow with the events. I I don't think he knew Henry because he had to, you know, the warden had to tell him, you know, when they find you, ask yeah. for Henry Deaver. So I don't know if he knows if they're tied that, together or not. Yeah, right. But um, yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to like kind of establish a timeline. Maybe I need to write this stuff down, and and maybe I won't have to. Maybe some really smart person out there will have that for me, and I can <laughs> It'll Google be on it the and, internet at some point. Yeah, I was gonna say somebody's got to have it out there. I want like a timeline of these things so I could start um, putting these things together. Surely some of those awesome Reddit folks out there has got <laughs> something right. They always have that stuff. <laughs> but the the interesting scene with the the Shawshank prisoners while he's sitting there. Well, there's two big ones. One's kind of small. As he's sitting there in his cell, he's watching this mouse kind of come out mm. and start running around. And the mouse comes to a trap and dies. And the whole time I'm looking at this, I'm trying to figure out, like, well, is is he the trap? Is Henry the mouse? Like, is that what they're trying to say here? Or is, you know, mm. is you know he the mouse and Henry's the trap? Um, Very interesting. Oh, Sean, you clever, clever man. Well, and I feel like, and I... I I love things like this. I hope that they have some kind of like meaning to it because I think it's just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you start looking into it way too much. I mean, that's pretty yeah. much like a Lost thing. Um, there's a yes. scene, I guess, where uh, in Lost, a cameraman accidentally got caught in a mirror. And like the Lost universe saw that and like, oh, my God, this is like, what does this mean? And like, oh, we yes. just kind of fucked up. Sorry. Just a goof on our part. I remember that so much watching Lost because I I wasn't I hadn't discovered podcasts yet. So my outlet for being able to talk about the show and dissect the show before podcast uh, podcasting for me anyway existed was going to online forums and there was this forum called uh, the Fuselage. Uh, I don't know if anyone out there um, listening to us was ever a part of that or took part. Reddit, you know um, the 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 forum on, on the fuselage, but they, oh my goodness, the things and the theories, you know, they would take one little thing and just pick it apart. And I was just fascinated. I was not smart enough to keep up with this or, or dissect it myself, but just reading how they could take this one little scene or this one little piece of something and just have all of these theories about it was just amazing. So I, I, I remember those are people that, that probably as well. like love conspiracy theories and are really good at that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I love reading that stuff. 
Uh, so, and the last bit I think is the big scene at the end. So we see um, the Shawshank prisoner like just disappear out of his cell. We see the cameras mm-hmm. like flickering, the security cameras, and all of a sudden he shows up, like looking at a camera. And I, I'm pretty sure this is what I saw. Were all the other prisoners dead? I I think it was just the guards. Okay. I think. I couldn't tell if it was prisoners or – but guards would make more sense because they're outside the cells. Mm-hmm. But you see all this stuff happen and that's like – and that, that's – this was one of those shows where like it didn't tell me what was going on. I wanted to hit next right away and see episode I two. I know. I um, know. But we're holding off because that's what we do. Um, we may have to cheat, I think, Reem. I haven't asked you this yet. <gasps> we may have to cheat and do like two episodes in a week to get caught okay. up on the Wednesday release. So okay. we'll see what happens. See what time okay. we have. But yeah, that security camera thing was super, super creepy. And he found something in his coffee too, which was like yeah, a hair like a, or something like that. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't know if it was like a bug, a fly or something, or yeah. And it was weird that he found it just before yeah. he escaped, before Bill Skarsgård escaped out of his little pen that he was in. So But but yeah, that's that's kind of the I had on the, the Shawshank prisoner, like a lot of questions, but um very, very intriguing. Ugh, it's so good. Bill Skarsgård is so good. That well, that that ties in perfectly to my number one. So I'll just chime in with a few things that I have, and they're mostly mostly questions because I think at this point we don't know anything about him. All we know is facts. He has, for some undetermined amount of time, been locked in this uh, prison within a prison. Uh, in the hatch. I'm calling him prisoner in the hatch for my number one <laughs> because I like my lost references. Um, so for an undetermined amount of time, he has been locked away. He, like you said, does not know what a shower is. He jumped back at the thought of, of, of whenever he was having his fingerprints taken. Like he was really spooked. Oh, like, yeah. oh my gosh, what is that? And that guard kind of gave him this look like, what the hell is wrong with you? We're just scanning your fingerprints, you know? Have you not seen um, this before kind of thing? Yeah. And he seems kind of, you know, just, and he seems really wary of everyone. He's not talking. Um, so those are the facts. Um, he's very thin. He looks um, maybe not completely malnourished, but definitely emaciated and somewhat malnourished. He doesn't look to be that healthy. So um you know, I'm guessing, you know, uh, Warden Lacey was not down there every single day making sure he at least had one meal. I don't know. It didn't seem like he was very, very malnourished. And he was kept in the dark. And what kind of, you know, it's like uh, the the guard, um, is it Zaleski? Is that his Zaleski, name? yeah. Officer Zaleski. Um, yeah. And he, if anyone else noticed or has watched the show Shameless on Showtime, he was Mickey on oh, okay, uh, yeah, Shameless. Yeah. Did you watch Shameless? I watched the first season, yeah. Okay, well, that he was Mickey. Um, loved Mickey and Shameless. Loved Shameless altogether. So I'm just, I'm thrilled with this spattering of, of great actors and folks that I love in this series. I'm loving it. So he's off, um, he's Officer um, Zaleski and... Um, so he's, you know, asking that question like, gosh, what do you think it does to a person being down here? I can't even imagine. So we know he's been kept in the dark, kept prisoner. Um, only Warden Lacey knew he was there. Those are facts that we know. There's probably more. So I just have questions. So who is he? How long has he been down there? And why is he there? Mm-hmm. Is he human? I mean. Valid question. I I think. I don't think that he's truly human. There's something about him because how did he get out of that cell that he was in? What did, what the hell did he do to those guards so quickly? Um, did you notice his eyes that they looked they, like permanently dilated or something yeah, from being in the odd. dark? 
and then they were like rimmed in red. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure yeah, what that I mean, was. Again, it's Stephen mm-hmm. King. Like he could be a vampire, he could be a werewolf, he could be a demon, he could just be a dude. He could he be just a dude be some, playing some a dude. Poor dude. dude. <laughs> but just just very interesting. And and again, I think with yeah, like you said, being the Stephen King universe, um, we don't quite know. And I'm just getting the vibe that, you know, it's it has a lot to do with this town of Castle Rock. Because and 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 I hope that I don't spoil too much by talking about some of these things because this is like the Stephen King universe, um, or you know, has lots of references about the Stephen King universe. And so I hope that I don't spoil too much about talking about some of these references that I'm sure that we're going to see in Easter eggs and such, but you know, in the, in, in it, uh, in the book and in the movie, there is lots of talk about how this town is cursed. Yes. uh, Where, where it takes place. Yes. So, you know, and they talk, you know, about that. And, you know, I, I'm wondering if like that's something that's kind of occurring in in Castle Rock as well. If it's you know like this infected kind of cursed town, and and how that is also playing a part in in what's happening. So I'm hoping that we find that out. But um, Prisoner in the Hatch is my number one. Mostly questions because we are only on episode one. We don't really know anything, but I hope that we find out more because I like it. So. And I know we did you have anything else? I know you kind of talked about your number one a little bit with Henry yeah. Deaver. Did you have anything um, else that you wanted to add? A couple other items I had on his. So it was interesting that the hotel behind him when he came in was called Pleasant Dreams Inn. Mm. Um What's that? I don't understand the fat guy that he saw when he was first getting into town. I couldn't tell if he said haircut as he walked by. I think he called him killer. Killer. Hey okay. killer. Hey, because everybody th- everybody thinks he killed his dad. I think. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Which yeah. is kind of weird because if he's been gone for a while, like, how would somebody remember him? Like, I would think if well, I came. That's that was my question. I thought, how long has he been out of town, how, or how often does he come and visit his mom, or, um, and how long has he been gone that people recognize him? Yeah, it seems like it's been a while. It had to have been. Yeah. Um, and then I'm curious about, okay, there's two other things. So I'm curious about like the missing graveyard. So the mm-hmm. graveyard that his dad was in, it's gone. It was next to the church. They, they moved it, which seems like it has some kind of meaning there. And then I'm kind of curious with, with him being adopted and then finding this kid that, you know, probably would have been about his age when he went missing. Like, is there some kind of tie there? Like, is there some kind of like, is that, and this is just me theorizing, like, is that, like his hat, like adopted brother or some kind of relation um, could be a huge, huge stretch, but I'm just trying to figure out like, why is, why are they tied together? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's pretty much the only couple things I had on Henry. Um, what do you have for uh, some of your notes? So a couple things that I have, we've talked about a lot of them already, but we were talking about some of the really great actors that they've cast in this series that just thrill me beyond belief. Um, I just, I get little giggles whenever I see and, and do like little hand clappies whenever I see folks like this pop up that I'm fans of. But Frances Conroy, who played Warden Lacey's, well now Widow, uh, she was uh, on Six Feet Under. Oh, okay. Don't know if there's any Six Feet Under fans out there. Uh, she was um, Nate Fisher's mother. She was the matriarch of the family and she was absolutely wonderful and brilliant in that show. Six Feet Under is probably one of my all-time favorite shows. One of the best finales, folks. If you, I highly recommend uh, it's worth it to subscribe to HBO and watch um, that entire series, and that is one of the best finales I think I've ever seen. So 
any, that was just something I wanted to know because I think she's wonderful. And um, I like her so far in this one. I don't know if we'll see more of her. I suspect we will. Um, a quick note about the director for this episode, Michael Uppendahl. He directed this episode. He's also helmed episodes of Ray Donovan, Fargo, and Legion, mm. um, American Horror Story, uh, Madman, among others. But That's it really stood out. I know, but I saw Fargo and Legion, and I just got super excited because I'm a huge Noah Hawley fan. And if you've ever listened to us um, or any other um, podcastic a podcast, you know that Jason from The Walking Dead cast and I had a podcast uh, about Legion. And um, if you've listened to that, you know how big of a fan that I am. So I thought that was worth mentioning. I thought, well, that's great. He's got, a, like you said, a great resume. Um, one little thing that I read and I forgot to notate who or like where I got this from, but I thought this was interesting. Uh, the showrunners, Sam Shaw and Dustin Thomason, um, said that they were attempting something way more ambitious uh, than... Um, than just the Stephen King universe. They said they want a series that unites several elements from King's long list of works in a story set in one of the writer's most haunted fictional towns. Shaw and Thompson said last October that their goal with Castle Rock was to, quote, explore and interpret the Stephen King library for TV in a slightly different way, which is to say, not take one book and retell The Shining for television, but to try to adapt Stephen King almost as a genre onto himself. I like, I mean, it's a very, very, because I mean, all of his stories really already kind of are in the same universe to an extent. So yes, why, why not give it a shot? And they're so far it's like, even like, even like if you come in and watch this, if you didn't know about Stephen King, it's still a really good first episode. Yes. And I think that was something that they had mentioned um, as well was they, they didn't want to just like they, they were, they're trying to blend all of these things. They want be, people who maybe have, are not very like, I don't know. I, if you don't know, even if you don't either read his books, watch his movies or anything like that, you probably know who Stephen King is. He's been around a gazillion years and he's just a part of our culture. Um, but they wanted to make this show for folks who maybe weren't big Stephen King fans, maybe aren't familiar with his work. So that way you can come into it and enjoy it. Also for folks that are casual fans, but also some of us hardcore fans that, you know, that, that way there's something for everyone. And I really like that. I think with the first episode, they've done a good job. I agree. So that's, that's all the notes that I have. Did you have any notes to add? Okay. Uh, I had a couple. Um, I wanted to note that I felt like this looked like a Stephen King movie. Um, there's a, mm-hmm. a handful of movie or most of his movies have a feel and a look. I think of like it, the miniseries, Carrie, the shining stuff like that just feels like it's got like a grainy kind of just yes. look to it. I um, agree. I thought they did a great job with that. Um, the Gator Farm was kind of interesting. Um, I know Henry goes there. And again, it's kind of a um, bait and trap type of situation because there's gators there and they're using that chicken as bait. Um, yes. So trying to figure out if that's kind of a theme too. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to touch a little bit on the, uh, the old lady he was uh, helping that was uh, getting executed. Um, he seemed to have a lot of compassion for her. Um, Mm -hmm. her meal was burgers and fries with Cheetos, a lobster tail, um, and something else. I can't remember what the, oh, I can't remember what the other thing was. Was that cereal? Yeah, cereal. And that's what her story was. Like her first memory was Cheerios. Um, and it was kind of, I think I caught this correctly, but she's talking about like, she didn't know what happened after death. She's like, well, is it just like a tape that gets erased? 
And, you know, because I think about this stuff, like when you die, what happens? Like, is there, is there something else beyond it or is it basically just darkness? Mm-hmm. And then you get even creeped out. It's like, well, why even know it's darkness? <laughs> and like she kind of mentioned and that's like he, he asked her, like, well, are you scared of that? And she's like, well, no, that's what I hope it is. And I don't know if that was kind of her confession that she did bad things or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we see there's nobody there for the execution but him. So yeah. even her getting executed, nobody really seemed to care. It was everybody who would care is no longer around. And then she he leaves, and it looks like she ends up going into like a cardiac arrest type of situation. Yeah, like they didn't even, finish the job. Yeah, even her death wasn't very peaceful. Um, so you can kind of see that he's got a lot of bad omens around him already, even in, even when he's trying to do like a nice thing. It ends up not panning out, it seems. Yeah, that seems to be a running theme, I think, in a lot of Stephen King books and such in his universes. There's these really great stories, really great characters, and they all seem to, you seem to kind of be introduced to these characters at a really bad time in their lives, like the worst time in their life, really bad situation, something's happening. And I think that's being carried out here as well. But but yeah, I I really enjoyed the first episode. This was one of those that I, I was very tempted to hit watch episode two. Um, I need to, I haven't seen how many are out right now, if it's just two or if there's more. Um, but yeah, like I said, maybe we need to try and double up a couple of weeks (laughs) to to get to a week to week release. I know. I I thought about that too. So for anyone listening and if you don't know already, they did. Uh, so we're recording on the day after that it was released on the 25th, uh, is when it came out on Wednesday on Hulu. So they released three episodes and that was, uh, I believe intentional on Hulu's part to try and hook you instead of giving you that, just that one episode. Cause mm-hmm. sometimes it takes people an episode or two or three to kind of really get roped in and hooked on an, ep- on, on a series. So they released three on the 25th, then they are releasing, it's a 10 episode, um, all together in the series. So they've released the first three, uh, then they're going to release week by week every Wednesday with a total of 10 episodes. And from my understanding that since handmaid's tale, uh, just went off the air with season two, uh, season two wrapped up, um, a couple weeks ago, I think it was, this is kind of taking the place of Handmaid's Tale on that Wednesday time slot on Hulu. And they are releasing week by week. So you can't binge it, at least until it's all the way over. You can't binge it. So this y'all are stuck with us, just like me and Sean watching (laughs) week to week. You know, you're stuck with us watching week to week. But I agree. I think we need to discuss what we want to do to kind of get caught up um, for that fourth episode that gets release next week. So I don't know. We'll talk about that um, offline. So good notes. Did you have anything else? Nope. That tidies up. Tidies it up. Sweet. I like it. Really good insights, Sean. You're blowing my mind with (laughs) some of your tie-ins. So before we get to the news... You're just knocking the head off my shoulders. (laughs) That's... (laughs) <laughs> we'll find your head some other time. It's it's out there somewhere. It'll it'll make its way back around. <laughs> ah, so gory. Um before we get to the news, a quick word from this week's sponsor. So, are you on a health and fitness journey? Why not get paid for it? 10 women are needed who want to get paid to share their health and fitness journeys on social media. You don't need to be in great shape. You just need a passion for helping others. No experience necessary. Trainings are included. You do not need to be a hard worker and self-motivated. You can email insideout.fitlife1 at gmail.com for more information. 
Yeah, so this is uh, something I came across uh, a little bit ago. So Reem and I both work out, and my workouts, I'm not going to lie, have gotten pretty stale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was doing the same typical workouts I've been doing for the last three or four years, and uh, I've kind of been going down in weights, and I've just been kind of doing more of like I'll lift, and I'll play on my phone, watch TV, go back to do a set, and just not very motivated to do it. And I'm, I'm not a person that likes like, uh, you know, the both or not both flex, but like the, um, P 90 X like videos, mm-hmm. like the, I always think of just like the, the dude that wore the spandex in the eighties. Um, <laughs> that, that's what I always think of when they're these things. So I begrudgingly tried one of these out and it's, it's always got a corny name, but there's one that's like beast mode is what they call it. And it's mostly weights, and it's it's a good workout. Um, I've been working up a really good sweat. I'm about a week and a half into it. So even if you don't want to just join this for a monetary reason, you can also reach out to insideout.fitlife for just these type of things. So you can learn how to get access to these videos, learn to get some nutrition things, um, and then even just kind of join their uh, groups where they kind of do these different workouts and kind of keep yourself motivated and held accountable to keep your workouts up. So um, I... Not the person that would rah-rah something like this, but so far a week and a half into it, I really, really enjoy it. So hopefully if you're kind of finding your workouts are getting a little sluggish, check that out, and hopefully that can kind of help get you kicked in the butt to get that beach bod ready. Woohoo! Yeah, I love that. I I always change up my workouts. I'll work do the same thing for a little while and then I get so bored I have to mm-hmm. move on. So and and I think, you know, we're not all geniuses on nutrition and the types of workouts to do. I love, you know, I think it's really good to get out there and educate yourself. And this um I think is really interesting to go out and get some help. I mean you're not expected to know everything. So go out and um, get some help for those things and get get healthy. Heck Sometimes yeah. it's not all about looking good. Sometimes it's just about being healthy mm-hmm. and live your best life. I don't know. I've been watching a lot of Queer Eye, so if I make a lot of <laughs> <laughs> if I make a lot of those references, um, that's where it's coming from, people. Um, all right, awesome. So let's start with the next news item. Sean, do you want to read that one? All right, so this comes from Entertainment Weekly. So it's an interview with producer J.J. Abrams. So Entertainment Weekly asks, what ran through your mind the first time you heard the pitch? J.J. says, it immediately felt like something I wanted to see. The concite of a different dimension that connected Steve's work just immediately felt to me like the richest, fertile ground for stories that are completely fresh for people who aren't avid fans, and yet for those who are. There would just be this entirely different level of resonance. It felt, I guess, like a thrilling and robust idea, and because it was being pitched by Sam and Dusty, it felt like it would be handled in an A-plus way. You've brought King to screen before with 11-22-63, also on Hulu. When I spoke with Sam and Dusty, they both said your enthusiasm helped garner Steven's approval. What was it like getting Steven on board for something that wasn't going to be a direct adaptation? And the response is, my my persistence... Participation in this was not just my enthusiasm for the story, but making sure that Steve knew we were going to approach this thing with as much care and concern of quality as we could. I was not certain that he would want it. I was not sure that his reaction would be, and I thought that maybe Steven would feel like this would be too unpredictable a thing, that it wasn't going to be a literal adaptation. Instead, he, it seems, had the same enthusiasm reaction that I did, which is that it sounded delicious. When you look at his work, you see the connections in his novel, the way he references characters or locations or events. It's already there, the tapestry. Castle Rock lives, breathes in a world that he created. Yes. I agree with that. Like, this is something like Stephen King's getting up there in age. Um, I'm sure he's going to have a ton of other works out there, but this is kind of like, this is, this is my complete archive of stuff. Like this is my, you know, my great symphony. 
Yeah. I liked what the showrunners had to say, and I have to go find that reference where I got that from because I didn't make that up on my own, uh, where they were talking about, you know, Stephen King kind of created this world, this genre, and 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 just is amazing. And now they're kind of taking and making Stephen King a genre mm-hmm. and to himself with, with what they're doing with Castle Rock. It's, it's like a homage yeah. uh, to Stephen King and all of his works and how they're tying all of it in. Cause I mean, Stephen King does it anyway. If you're a fan and if you've even read just even a handful of his books, you know, the depending what those books are. There, yeah. yeah. It's all, you can see how he ties a lot of that in anyway. So this is just a really great, you know, kind of taking some of what he does um, and, and just kind of, you can see the little touches and the Easter eggs. And I think people who aren't even really big fans can enjoy it as well. As long as you kind of like this kind of like genre type of, you know, mysterious, you know, kind of spooky, you know, suspend your disbelief on a few things. Um, it's super fun. Great news. Thanks, Sean. Um, Next is some listener feedback. These are letters from Shawshank Prison. We're sorry that you're there, but we'll read your letters. um, And maybe that will bring you a little joy uh, while you're there. So the first one uh, that we have is an email. This one is actually some feedback about Lost in Space. So we had someone kind of getting caught up on some of that. um, and wanted to. they don't get uh, Castle Rock until next week. So Right. Yeah, they're a little (laughs) bit behind on the times. It is a prison after all. Um, so, uh, this person says, hello, I finally got to lost in space and I'm listening to episode five. The one where you said it's not a binge show. Well, it is after episode five, (laughs) amazing (laughs) arcs and drama. Thanks, Daniel. Um, I, I agree with you, Daniel. There was certainly a point I felt, um, that you could certainly, I, I, I wanted to keep going. It was very hard. Um, if, if no one has listened to us in our previous, um, podcast, Sean and I on these Netflix shows watch week to week, um, we don't binge it. Um, so, um, you know, I, I agree. It was very hard to stop some episodes and not continue on, but thanks. Thanks for writing in Daniel. I hope that you join us for Castle Rocks. I want to hear what you have to say. All right, so our next one is, I am excited to watch this show. Let's talk about Castle Rock. I'm excited to watch this show and listen to your podcast. I did not get into Stephen King until I started dating my now husband in the late 90s. He had me watch many of the movies you mentioned on your recent podcast. I can't believe nobody mentioned the show Haven based on the Colorado Kid book. My guess is the Hulu will run this like they did The Handmaid's Tale Season 2 because they released two episodes the first week, then once a week. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Sally. Well, thanks, thanks, Sally. Thank you, Sally. She's introducing me to something new. I was asking her about that show, Haven, because I hadn't heard of it. So we were emailing about that. So thank you, Sally, for letting me know about that. I hope that you continue to write in um, for Castle Rock. So thanks. We also have from our good friend Steve a voicemail. Hey, Raymond Sean. It's Steve. Uh, just finished watching the uh, first episode of Castle Rock Severance. And uh, didn't have a chance to watch it a second time, but I'll try this weekend maybe to watch the first and second so I can have more feedback next week. But uh, I'm intrigued. It's, it looks really good. Uh, I admit I knew the name Pangborn was important, but I couldn't remember who it was. I had to look it up that he was the sheriff from The Dark Half and Needful Things. Um, not a huge Stephen King fan. I like a couple of his books. So I'll be interested to hear about all of the Easter eggs that I'm going to miss as the series progresses. Uh, I love, I was worried at first that uh, we lost Terry O'Quinn so quickly, but it was good to see him come back in that final scene. So maybe we're going to get more 
flashbacks of him throughout the series. I hope so, anyway. Love seeing Ann Cusack, Sissy Spacek, so many uh, actors in there that uh, it's going to be exciting to see where the rest of the series goes. I really, really wanted to watch the second episode, but now I want to wait until I hear what you guys had to say about this first episode before watching it. So, look forward to hearing you, and this uh, was a great idea to take this series. Talk to you later. Oh, and almost forgot, love seeing Scott Glenn. He is one of my favorite actors of all time. I, I don't think there's anything I've seen him in that I, I, don't, uh, I don't like. If you want an obscure movie that he's in, look up the, the movie Off Limits with Gregory Hines, Willem Dafoe, and Scott Glenn. Bye. Hmm. Thanks, Steve. I will yeah, check thanks. that out. Uh, everybody, like, we love emails, we love tweets, we love Facebook posts, we also love our voicemails. So if you get a chance, you can uh, just record yourself on your app. There's, I think all the phones have a voice memo app. Take that MP3, email it to us, and we'll get you on the show and give you a listen. So um, thanks, everybody, very much for the listener feedback. We absolutely love it. Yes, I love you guys. I love interacting with you guys on Facebook, on Twitter. I love it when you guys email me. Well, us, but um, I answer most of them, I believe, because Sean's a busy guy. He's got to build up that bod, and he's too busy. (laughs) (laughs) He's working out. I got to avoid that dad bod. I know know David Harbour has kind of got dad bods back in, you know... (laughs) the, the yeah, limelight but I, I don't want that dad pod is i know and when i'm supposed to be working out i'm reading emails uh, from our <laughs> listeners so you guys are, are, are bad influence no i love you guys i please continue to write in we're really excited to have you along this journey with us thank you all for taking the time we love it all right so next week we'll be reviewing the second episode of castle rock called titled habeas corpus so henry gets a new client at shawshank prison that's all we know. <laughs> that's that's all you're getting. That's it. I think we could probably take a gander as to who that prisoner probably is, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> or this warden. new client, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we are really excited for you to travel to Castle Rock with us while visiting. You can follow us on Twitter at Strange T Cast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. And you can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like Legion at Podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcast. Say nice things. Um, make sure to also check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance. Comes out every Sunday like clockwork. You can set your clock to it, people. Yes, 3 a.m. every Sunday morning. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how you do it. Um Speaking of other podcasts, we'd love for you to go to podcastawards.com and nominate Language of Bromance for the Podcast Award Comedy category and um, Strange Indeed, that's us, uh, for the Podcast Award um, under TV and Film. Yes, and this ends at the end of July, so July 31st is the last day you can go out and nominate. So please, if you haven't already, go out and nominate uh, Language of Bromance and Strange Indeed. We'd really, really appreciate it. Send lots of hugs and kisses your way if you do. Please, please. And thank you. All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 47, Severance. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Elizabeth in California is strange indeed. Indeed.